everyone. Welcome to the Next Visions and House of Beautiful Business podcast. I'm very delighted to be here in the room together with Tim Lieberrecht. He is the co-CEO, co-founder and co-curator of the House of Beautiful Business. It's a pleasure to be back with you, Christian. I'm here with Christian Knörle. Christian is the head of company building of Forward 31, which is the company builder of Porsche Digital. So, Tim... I'm very delighted to have now the chat with you because we have chosen the key topic or core theme for this episode, eyes wide shut. Yeah, this has been sort of a, a kind of a running joke amongst my team at the House of Beautiful Business. When I told them that we we're going to record an episode titled Eyes Wide Shut, inspired by the Stanley Kubrick movie mm -hmm. of the same name, they were like shaking their heads like, what the heck? What, what, <laughs> why? Why? What does it have to do with I Next think Vision? it will be, uh, get a lot of meaning across this episode somehow. But I think it's, it's a wonderful theme because for me, basically covers the topic of making the obvious unobvious or vice versa. We will see. I am a little bit curious now. So Tim, you are the many co's of the House of Food Business we learned. Can you explain to me a little bit more in depth What is the House of Beautiful Business? The House of Beautiful Business is a, an actual space and a, an imaginary space that you enter to reinvent business, your organization and yourself. It's kind of like a playing field. It gives you license to play with ideas, experiences, new ways of doing business, meet other people, um, but in a very, very different way than you would at a traditional business conference. So there's no physical house. Uh, right now, there, there isn't. We used to run an annual gathering in the past few years in Lisbon every year. But then, of course, COVID changed all of that. And this year, we're um, hosting our annual gathering as a hybrid festival. We also have chambers of beautiful business, so mm -hmm. local hubs in cities uh, all around the world. We publish and we convene. Um, we do dinners. So it's a think tank. It's a community. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's a society of sorts. So what makes the difference? And when you talk about society and the core theme is eyes wide shut, ah, there come there some pictures there in my mind. So is there any relationship you can draw? Yeah, I think, so eyes wide shut, when I saw that, I don't even know when it came out. It must have been in the early 90s, maybe the movie. I, I suppose saw, so. I think it's based on Arthur Schnitzler's uh, dream novella. Uh, I think I remember that. And it's a very dreamy, completely disturbing movie because I think what made it so disturbing at least for me was that there is no clear explanation it, it remains inexplicable and mysterious and it you know there it's a it's a mystery that's not resolved uh, very much like life and very much like the house of beautiful business so one of our design principles is begin with mystery mm -hmm. and, and don't just begin with mystery to attract attention but also end with mystery so do not resolve it do not explain everything do not you know, end or land on a final product, but actually stay with that ambiguity and mystery. And I think that's very much a hallmark of the house, which is not only uncomfortable for our attendees, but also often very uncomfortable for us. But it's it's important. <laughs> How did you come across with this kind of design principle? Because it sounds unusual, because I think humans strive for understanding. Um, I think, especially in current times, you try to explain everything with science. It sounds a little bit counterintuitive. Why did you come up with this kind of concept? Do they, though? Do we humans really strive for understanding? I always wonder whether that is true or whether we rather dwell in mystery and, and romance. And this need to understand only comes from peer pressure, where we're feeling like, you know, we're sort of 
under pressure to explain something to somebody else so we appear smart mm -hmm. and in control when in fact we would personally much rather stay in that liminal gray zone transition space where things have multiple meanings so i'm not sure we mm -hmm. really want to understand all no that. i i agree to be honest because i think that was also one of the core themes for me in the movie eyes wide shut i think that there are secret desires and dreams that are unfulfilled but when i now think about it so who, who when you talked about think tank and thought leaders who are these people actually so um we bring together multiple disciplines and um, artists, scientists, technologists, writers, painters, uh, animators, and is that even a word? Animators? Animation artists. <laughs> sounds, sounds, sounds like, like, sounds like a, a, cl a club editor. <laughs> <laughs> and business leaders and non-profit leaders, a very eclectic group of people. And we really are trying to facilitate the types of conversations you normally wouldn't have at a, a traditional conference. So talking about melancholy in business mm -hmm. or... Um, talking about um, the negative space, the romantic notion of the negative space, or pairing up a psychotherapist with a uh, food retail CEO. So really bringing together um, different perspectives and then really like in, being interested in this, in this sweet spot of the in-between and mm -hmm. ideas that spark between different disciplines. Where do you find all these people? Because um, normally if you attend conferences, um, so let's face it, most of the time it's a certain mainstream. And what you described is interesting, I think, regarding the audience you collect in. But where do you find the people? So... We have grown a really wonderful community. So we get a lot of recommendations from our global community and they say, oh, you should approach this person. I would, you know, this is, this is a, as they say, this is a person for the house. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he, he's a resident. He, he fits in or she fits into the house. That's one type of referrals we get where it's kind of like, oh yeah, they're a cultural fit and, you know, they have a certain sensitivity and um, they are fit. But on the other hand, we're very keen on bringing people to the house who are not a fit, at least at first glance, who are contrarians, who mm -hmm. uh, have very different perspectives. And quite frankly, that is often much, much harder because of course we attract the kind of people who are like-minded and have already bought into our argument. Although one of our attendees said, actually, and I really like that, I'm quite excited about the statement, said the House of Beautiful Business is the most unlike-minded community in the world. So yes, it's warm and friendly and it's a community and there, there's a spirit. However, you can really disagree. It's a, it's a safe space for dissent and, and have, for having multiple and, and divergent perspectives. And I think that's, that is really true. That's also an interesting thought. I think once I had a discussion with um, one of my old bosses uh, and he mentioned, if you really have a good relationship, you need to be able to argue, but also to just sit next to each other without saying anything. It, it sounds like your community, what you just described, right? So, so how did you find this kind of design principle? Because also this sounds counterintuitive on the first glance. I don't know if there, there was, it maybe it was less intentional than it seems. I think we mm -hmm. do things very intuitively. And when you create these spaces or gatherings, what you're trying to do is always you, you think about the kind of community that you would want to be part of, mm -hmm. and then you design it, or then you design experiences that constitute the kind of vibe or community. And I, actually, I just had a conversation with one of our speakers for this year's gathering, and um, I actually forgot who it was, <laughs> but I just, I remember the line and I, I think he said that, um, it's, uh, you know, th that you don't learn without friction. So if we, if we agree 
Oh, actually, it was Francois Bailey, yeah, the uh, bioethicist who's a um, speaker at the house this year and Canadian uh, philosopher and bioethicist. And she said, if we all agree and there's always consent and we agree on everything, we don't learn anything. You know, you don't learn anything um, without friction. We need to have dissent. We need to have a space where we can disagree. And that stuck with me. I think that the, in, in many ways that is also a condition for the future of a healthy democracy, by the way, which is one, one of the topics that will feature in, in uh, one mm -hmm. of the episodes. It sounds extremely inspiring. Nevertheless, I, I wonder, so what is the purpose why I'm, so why would I go into the house? Now I understood it's not a physical space, but why would I go into the house? Because it sounds like I meet people who disagree with me and argue with me. So what, what is the main purpose to go there? So first of all, on a very practical level, you meet interesting people, you make great connections, um, you will return with a bag full of ideas and inspiration for your business. You learn about new practices, new technologies. So in many ways, it's, it's an ideas festival that will help you become better at what you do and your organization. But more importantly, it really is an adventure. It's a journey. So when you go on You know, when you embark on a journey and you travel to a country you've never been to, you don't really know why either, right? You just know you have this desire to go to new places. And there's this movie, uh, Central Station, I think it is, where the last line is, um, I have a desire, a desire for everything. And I think that is the desire that's driving people to the house. You can't quite name it, but there is a desire To experience for, for experiencing something new, which brings us back to Eyes Wide Shut. Absolutely. I was just thinking about that. What a great theme, by the way. Talking about that, um, to just to test your skills a little bit, the, the key question, eyes wide shut. So do you know the password? I think, I don't know the question, but is a, can I, can I reveal it? Or yeah, I think yeah. the password is Fidelio, is it? That's the password of admittance. But the question is, <laughs> what's the password of the house? <laughs> That I don't know. That I don't know. Do you yeah. mean the house in Eyes Wide Shut? Mm -hmm. I think you, you need to rewatch the I movie. Do. Then you will find out, or maybe not. You will see. So, what is it that you find so? I mean, how do you? What, what do you find so interesting about Eyes Wide Shut, and how does it apply to what you're doing at the, uh, the Porsche's company builder? Um, so, Eyes Wide Shut, like you mentioned, it's. Um, The fact that you don't understand everything in the movie is quite intriguing. And I think also there are many things not, they're unspoken. And I think you can, see, I have seen it several times. Every time it gets a new sense, that's also the beauty of it. And it raises more questions than it gives you finally answers. And I think it's what you described, the mystery and also the, you don't know what is re real, um, so you are going beyond your reality and these are all things that are somehow intriguing, I think. Um, so how does it link to our company? Well, I think that's a tough one. Maybe I start very simple on what are we actually doing? Um, so Forward 31 is a venture builder, studio model, company builder, however you call it. And we have been initiated by our executive board last year, basically to identify new business models. I think this is something you hear quite often. So we do it in uh, a specific design. So on the one hand, we want to create a platform business. So we are open 
for other competitors or industry parties to join these kind of platforms as a client or investor. Um, we put the founders in the driver's seat. We never branded with our brand, basically. And we try to attack or address markets that are large enough. Um, that's basically what we do. Where does the, um, this capacity to embrace the unknown appears to be a key skill or trait of any founder? Do you think there's a, in the evolution of a startup, there's a moment at which you have to become more explicit and you, you, this mystery is, needs to be diminished? Because I, I ask that because we often get this question, what do you mean by beautiful business? You know, give us mm -hmm. an agenda. Like what, what is like, give us the, give us the formula of beautiful business. And we always reject that notion. And we, we, we're kind of like, no, we don't want to. Beauty, beauty is elusive. You define it any way you want. We want it to remain mysterious. That's the whole point. Um, but I wonder if that's a position one can take in business. Um, I would say absolutely, because I think creating a venture or creating a startup is a different way to engage in business than if you have an established business. And I would say there are different skills required. And that's also, I think, the contradiction you have and also the contradiction we have as company, as Porsche. Because on the one hand, I think we are pretty famous for the quality, the perfection with our cars, with our existing uh, business model, which is perfectly in shape. We are masters in the process. And I think you need specific skills to bring this on the road. Um, When it comes now to exploring new business, I think you, you, it's a little bit like going back to square one. That's actually also where our name originates. So Forward 31 is, of course, looking forward, making the next step. But 31 is basically uh, 1931 when Ferdinand Porsche opened his garage to explore different directions. And it's more the mindset we want to take uh, from this pioneering time, so to say. Um, And if you look at this picture, I think you can also understand in the beginning, when you start something, not everything is obvious. And of course, there's huge magic um, about the, the new frontier, so to say. And it's not the world of obvious things because there's many things to explore. And there's also, if you look back, there's always magic about this pioneering times um, afterwards. It's so interesting. I, I find that fascinating about the Porsche uh, brand that it's on the one hand an engineering-driven company and it's very precise, but it's also very romantic. Absolutely. And and the same is true about you, Christian, by the way. And I'm, sort of, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of interested in that. So how, where do you think this appreciation for mystery and ambiguity, personally speaking, where, where does that come from? Is it the books that you read when you grew up? Is it a certain experience that you had? Because it's quite unusual. Yeah, I think it? it has a personal and a professional angle. And I start maybe with a personal angle. So I'm half German, half Japanese. So it's a combination of Asian values and German values. You could also say German efficiency and a little bit of Asian interconnectedness. So it's always also, to be honest, always a contradiction of individualism, collectivism somehow. Um, and I think the beauty about that. Um, Maybe share that story. When I was a little child, I was in Japan um, visiting my grandma and I was looking on a map of the world and I was puzzled because in the middle was not Europe, it was Asia. And then I went to my mom and said, there's something wrong. They have the wrong map. And then she told me, no, that's just the world perspective because um, Europeans 
look at themselves as a center of the world. And that same applies with all the other nations out there. And we're in Asia, so it's very natural that this is the center of the world. So what I have learned early on is it's always a matter of perspective. And the fact that I think I got infused by these two cultures made it relative which perspective you have. So that's a personal touch, I would say. And now it comes to the professional level. Um, I think when I got assigned with creating Forward 31 together with a strong team that is behind me, I think we really thought about how can we make a difference. And I just explained what we do. I think the difference makes especially how you do it. And we have a couple of core themes, um, how we tackle that basically. I think one was the beginner's mind I just mentioned. And I think that appears quite often. And uh, maybe I can explain what is meant by that. Well, are you familiar with beginner's mind in general? Uh, I kind of feel like I have a beginner's mind, but um, no, explain. Um, so beginner's mind basically comes um, from Zen Buddhism. So it's the Japanese term Shoshin. And I think there's also, to link it from Japan now back to Germany, there's a quote by um, Rainer Maria Rilke. So children live questions and beginner's mind is questioning everything from day one. So it's really approaching existing problems without any prejudice. And I think there are basically a couple of studies that are quite interesting to understand that. So on the one hand, um, I remember there was a study in the US where they asked children of five years, basically, how many applications can you find with a paper clip and a book? So what would you say, Tim? How, how many applications oh would God, you find? I so hate these questions. Because yeah. <laughs> I say you don't have the beginner's mind. <laughs> no, um, and I think what they found out, basically, I think uh, in average, the five-year-old had 200 applications for that. And the amount of applications is an indicator for genius, for being a genius. So 99% of the five-year-old have been genius. And then they asked the same questions to kids who have been 15 and it was only 2%. So what does it mean? So you lose kind of creativity, uh, having this beginner's mind, you lose that over time. And um, But it shows on the other hand, it can be a very powerful tool for reinvention. Also, by the way, I think reinvention was something that was opening up myself to to what you just described, maybe for the romantic Christian, so to say. Yeah, th that's interesting. And also what you said earlier about your experience in Japan and then realizing that Europe is not the center of the world. That is really also a theme of all the conversations that we recorded for the second season of Next Visions. It's this realization that maybe humans are not the center of the universe either. A new appreciation for nature and a new humility, a new sense of interconnectedness with other living things in the wake of the pandemic. And maybe even sort of a going back to a certain naivete to acknowledge, you know, speaking of beginner's mind, to acknowledge that, well, maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe we are wrong. Maybe we as a civilization are wrong. <laughs> well, well, I would say it's maybe relative because um, when I said as a child, this is the wrong map, I think there is no right or wrong. So it's a relative perspective. And I think um, now in my job, I also learn a lot. It's you need to be able to be open for several perspectives and look with several perspectives on the same thing. 
And the change of perspective basically reframes uh, the entire perspective. This is also, by the way, um, what uh, Noni is talking about in, in the episode on intersectionality, right? That uh, the intersectionality of different identity markers and that things are much more complex and it cannot be reduced to one one single truth. I think that this is, I think to me, this has been the great reckoning, the great realization of the past few months and it doesn't make life easier but it makes it richer and uh, I think the complexity of everything has been brought to the fore. Someone said right in management too it's no longer good enough to solve complicated problems. We don't face complicated problems anymore. We face complex problems and that means there's more than just one solution. There's multiple solutions or maybe it's just a matter of holding holding the the complexity rather than resolving it. I think if I link back what we just discussed with a beginner's mind and reshaping, reframing your perspective. Um, and we discussed, I think, in the episodes, um, of course, you, you heavily see the impact of COVID-19. And then there's maybe if you look in history, there's one story I can maybe share that describes that pretty well. Because I think it was in the 1800s, basically, um, where doctors observed, basically, there was um, a lot of... Uh, death um, in the in the childbirthhood. Um, so basically, women died early on together with their child, and they investigated that very heavily and tried to find the problem. So the doctors um, during the day basically have taken care of the pregnant women to where they have given birth, and in the evening they try to f investigate why are they dying in the first couple of days. And then one doctor came up and said, "You know what? It's we are the problem." Why is that? Because and they didn't wash their hands. They didn't disinfect their hands. And what happened then is that the target group themselves said, no, this cannot be, we cannot be the problem, so we need to further investigate. So actually it has taken 50 years until then finally hand washing, disinfection, and now think about it, what we are talking about today in COVID-19 times, um, until they solved the problem because they didn't change the perspective in the end. Uh, so that basically, I think, shows that still until today, changing the perspective is, I think, a very crucial skill we need to develop. So let's see where we are then with maybe the next season. So in the first season, we we talked about AI, we talked about leadership, um, we talked about new technologies. Um, and I think that my sense with the first season was we talked about, we knew the issues, you know, and we, we didn't have the answers, but we knew the issues. And now I think with season two, There's much more doubt. There's much more uncertainty. We don't even know what the issues are, maybe. It's all very confusing. We're all in a state of confusion. And that's becoming very evident in all of these episodes. I think they're they're more they're they're daring to go to the extremes. They're more political in a way. They're probably more confused overall. And um, I'm really looking forward to the next season. And wh what do you think is the like what's the path forward? I think one thing we've learned is that a theme that came up again and again is a new collectivism, mm -hmm. a new collective narrative that is yeah. greater than just the sum of the parts in a way that's really needed. But what else do you think is important um, to push us forward? I think also to link it to what we do, actually, I think what all people described is now we are living in times of uncertainty. I'm not so sure about it because um, I think one important issue that also came up is snapshot thinking. So it's mm. basically, um, if you maybe look back to the last, let's say, five, 10 years, I would agree it was rather stable. 
But when I was a child, there was Chernobyl. Uh, you couldn't go out. You could not play. A, a lot of things that uh, have been in turmoil and was very unsecure, uh, very uncertain. And I think we have taken things for granted. But I think the other aspect that came up is there are a lot of things that need to be uncovered. So very a lot of things that are not obvious need to become obvious. And uh, that's also a theme that uh, we basically call hidden in plain sight. So a lot of topics where we build business models are basically not happening in the obvious space. They are happening more in the what we call hidden in plain sight. And that brings us back to eyes wide to shut. Eyes wide shut, because isn't that what it's all about? Um, eyes wide shut. Such a beautiful, such a beautiful coinage. Eyes wide. Absolutely, shut. because it's it's also a contradiction, right? Because you have your eyes wide open, but on the other hand they're shut and i think um let me give a further example how i think from a psychology because this is i think what we learned basically links also to the we are the problem uh, i think beforehand in a one discussion i asked you do you know the story of the titanic um do you know the story of the titanic i still don't i mean i know the movie as i yeah. said before um, but you know, there was this iceberg and... Um, oh, I remember the iceberg. Yeah. There was recently an interesting study that um, most of the people could have been saved. Do you know how? It's one of these trick questions. Again. Yeah, that's like a brain teaser when you work in consulting. And Maybe I'm just kind of like cruising around the iceberg. <laughs> no, that would be too clever. And uh, now I, I think the, uh, there's an interesting investigation to that, and that describes basically also when, when we talked about leadership. That's why I'm bringing that up. So in the case of the Titanic, it was mainly a question of how to solve the problem and a question of leadership. So if you take a step back, you could basically see, okay, the ship crashed the iceberg. So now you need to save the people. So what happened? So the captain just said, okay. Everyone takes care of himself. So it was a leadership problem. But if you look from an, how to say that, how do you approach a problem? The basic assumption was put everyone in the existing boats, but there haven't been enough boats. So if you take a step back um, with a beginner's mind, you would think about how to save people if you put them on something that swims. And what was beside the sinking ship, the biggest object that is still swimming in the water? Ah, the iceberg. Exactly. And uh, if you look in history, pretty oftentimes um, these accidents could have been survived by people shipping them over with a few boats to the iceberg. And that is phenomenon that is called functional fixedness. So you have a prejudice and that shows a little bit how the beginner's mind works. If you take a step back and just focus on what really needs to be solved... And what are your options? Then you suddenly come up with completely new conclusions. And that's a powerful tool we use basically to build new business models. Well, let's hope that um, that's, that's quite interesting that these conversations contribute to... Yeah. Saving the Titanic a <laughs> hundred years later. <laughs> and, and cultivating a, a beginner's mind. Um, right. So with that, Christian... Um, it's been a lot of fun to meet uh, you here again and uh, to be privileged to listen to all of these conversations of all these uh, fascinating minds. Where can you find these episodes? Like always, like season one, you can find all the episodes on existing podcast platforms. 
And I'm also delighted that we made it happen in these tough times um, and launched this new season. I'm pretty much looking forward and I'm very delighted to be on board with this co-founder, co-curator, co-CEO and now co-moderator Tim in this outstanding and fantastic, A beautiful, beautiful co-operation. <laughs> Thank <laughs> exactly. you, Christian. Thank you so much, Tim. <laughs>